Oi, oi, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old muck of Fenners. We're back together, son. How are you? Hey, Bully, great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. This episode is sponsored by Cool Kevin Wyatt. To be more like Kev, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Marler Show, become an official sponsor, get bonus content, and grow the show today. Who are you? What do you do? We currently don't have a clue, but give us 40 minutes of your time and we'll get along just fine on the joe marler show it's the joe marler show hello and welcome to our show i'm joe marler and this is my very very good friend matt (laughs) (laughs) oh no he's not in today so we'll just go with tom fordyce joe i like your t-shirt today it's bright yellow what? What have you just done with your pecs? Like that. Just Little twitchy pecs. Twitch. So you are wearing a, it's not actually bright yellow, it's lemon, isn't it? Lemon. Lemon. And it's from the Penguin brand. Yeah. Penguin is on your left pec. And as I first mentioned your t-shirt, you twitched your left pec so dramatically, the Penguin has jumped a clear inch. I didn't twitch it. You know, when your muscle just so involuntarily yeah. just goes boom, boom. Huge. It's actually a Penguin tracksuit. I've got uh, Penguin shorts on and I've got the hoodie in the green room. I love penguin. Do you like penguins as well? Do I like them to look at? Yeah. Do you find them amusing? The way they walk? <sighs> waddle, 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 waddle. Uh, the ones that I've seen on like the Attenborough shows, mm. I really respect like the the cold that they have to go through, the sort of complications that they have to go through with the with the egg as well. Oh, carrying it on the feet. Yeah, like and then waddling away. And also I love the technique of um, oh, yeah. them all getting in that big circle. It's amazing. But then taking it in turns. To be cold on the outside. Yeah, and then they all move and then they shift again. And I'm like, oh, fuck me. Do you think you'd make a good penguin? I'd like to think I would. But even you talking about the circle of cold becoming the circle of warmth makes me reflect on humanity, Joe. Mm. If we were to go out into the streets of London, okay, it's not cold enough, but would you reckon humans would show the same discipline and love for their fellow humans as the penguins do? Or would there be some bastard that'd be like, I ain't going on the outside. Definitely. I'm not going on the outside. No, we're horrible. We're a horrible, horrible race. Mm. In fact, a penguin's race. A, a, a penguin's a race. We're a horrible, horrible species. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even space species. Species. Talking of species. Yeah. You know another, another species. Have you heard of these monkeys? Yes. No, no, no. I haven't described which <gasps> ones yet. What about these baby snatching monkeys? What? You not heard of these? Baby snatchers? There's these monkeys in um, Yamaguchi. <laughs> Where is Yamaguchi? It's in Japan. They've been snatching babies in Yamaguchi. Human babies? Yes. What other babies would I mean? Well, I don't know. It might be monkey babies. No. And so they've got trouble. So they're going to, they're, they're putting like pellets down <laughs> around <laughs> these babies. Are you getting out of your depth on this story? A little bit. I, I just found this story and then didn't have too much depth in it, which sums up what we do on this pod, really. I'm going to give you a stark choice. You can. Either become a penguin or a monkey. Which one? Can the penguin surf? Can I surf? Yes. Like in Surf's Up? Yeah. Yeah, I'm being a penguin. Okay. Because I ain't no baby snatcher. <laughs> I ain't doing that. Do you know what I mean? And plus, penguins are kind, compassionate, great surfers. Could you carry a, an egg on your feet? How big's the egg? It's going to be... Like a penguin egg. A penguin egg, yeah. Yeah, easily. Look, but you're a penguin. Look at these slabs of meat, mate. You could, couldn't you? Look at them. Just for the listeners, I've got my feet out and I'm now... I've got them very close to my very face. Very close to your face. They're quite nice, aren't they? Your feet are, are as discussed in a previous show, are among your best attributes. Yeah. Anyway, enough penguin chat, Tom. Just fucking do your thing. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, if you want me to reference support in the show, let's remind people you can now subscribe on Apple, Spotify and Patreon for just a solitary pound a week. You can get bonus content ad-free episodes, and you'll be Joe. 
Rowing the show. Oh, do my penguin voice. Yeah. Me, me, me. Penguin. Where are penguins from? Antarctic. Accent from that area? Well, it depends which bit of the Antarctic. Your nearest country may be Argentina or it might be New Zealand. So oh, take a pick. Okay. Oh, fish and chips and uh huh. You'll be growing the show. Actually, South, South Africa isn't a million miles away. Well, there we go. I'm a South African penguin. Joe, we also have exciting news because we now have another social media channel. Yeah, and how good does the studio look, mate? Like It does look amazing. It, adds, purple. A, it adds a different ambiance to the listening and the, the visualisation. It's easy to find Joe. You only have to subscribe to the Joe Marler Show YouTube channel. You can watch Joe entire episodes plus extra show clips. Yeah, a little bit of extras. We love a bit of extra. You know, like the bacon bits that you put. No, you don't. Bacon for me, please. Bacon. Yeah. A little bit of that on the salad. You know what I mean? Always makes it. Right, anyway, who's on? Two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? Not you singing. Joe Marler. I'm already, Joe Marler. I'm already on the show, though. It's a cheerleader. Brilliant. Our guest today is Will. He's a listener, and for five years, he was a cheerleader. Uh, hang on a minute. You're... Well, it's 2022, so... It's hard to just come out with that line. I was going to come out with, you're a man. But, you know, people are different and can be whatever they want to be. M- man. I am a man indeed. Pro- yes. Pronouns, he, he, him, he, he and him. Definitely almost said he and she then, which is very confusing. But no, he that and him. That would really confuse things. <laughs> um, hang on, a cheerleader, I just presumed, was a blonde female that had pom-poms. That's the stereotype I had in my head. What stereotype did you have, Tom? Exactly the same one. Exactly the same. Possibly a short skirt, American football game, touch lines. Now, I'm looking at you intently, Will. And you're a decent looking man. Got some nice arms on you as well. Thank you very much. Great head of hair as well. However, you're not what we just described. So please tell me more about how you're a cheerleader for five years. Dispel all our myths that we have of what a cheerleader is. I'm going to be honest. I had exactly the same thoughts when I was told to go and do cheerleading for the first time. So unlike many male cheerleaders, I didn't actually start until I was at university. I'd never heard of it as a sport. I thought it was the same as what you see traditionally cheering on the sidelines of American football games, basketball games with pom-poms, ridiculous outfits, dancing and just sort of yelling random words, letters, and whatever happened and I went to university and in my very fir- on my very first day my freshers representative a second year who was looking after me said Will why don't you come and do cheerleading and I just thought why not let's give a few things a go so in my first week I also tried out ultimate frisbee as well and I tried a couple of other sports and I went to this cheer session turned up was one of two guys the other guy being my roommate from university so it's just us and a load of girls and I can't describe how amazing it felt. The And I was addicted within that one session. It just blew my mind, really, that how cool the sport was, the physicality of it, the fact that these women were so brave to let me pick them up and throw them and catch them in, with a group of other people. I wasn't just like partner stunting straight <laughs> off, just doing it by myself. And it just stuck from there. And the entire three years at university, from that very first week, I devoted pretty much everything to cheer, which was a sentence I never thought I'd say. We have watched, Joe, um, some footage of cheerleading, the modern sort of cheerleading. It is mind-blowing, isn't it? It absolutely blew my mind. I couldn't, in fact, I didn't see a pom-pom once in all the bits that I, I watched. This was some of the biggest stunts and biggest flips and biggest pyramids that are built. And I was like, how the fuck are they doing all of this? And it's you've only got like a short amount of time haven't you yep. like a two is it two minute 15 yeah so they don't... it's slight variations but in the group competitions that you saw on the Netflix series Cheer they compete for two minutes and 15 seconds 
in the UK, some competitions we did were two minutes, 30 seconds, and that's in a big group and you've got three different elements in which you're trying to hit. But then also there are other types of cheer as well. So there's a, what's called a group stunt, which is a routine that's 75 seconds long and is purely just a group of three or four of you just throwing stunts for that 75 seconds. And then you've also got partner stunts as well, which is literally one base and one flyer, again, for about 75 seconds throwing nothing but stunts which is, it doesn't sound like a, a long period of time, but a minute and a quarter just throwing stunts is so, so tiring. It's mental. And to think that I used to do that and actually I'm thinking of coming out of retirement because Ooh. in preparation for the show, I got so excited. I was like, I miss it so much. It's, it's mental. It's a ridiculous sport. It's so, it's so intense and physical. And watching it, you're like on the edge of your seat, scared fuck, they're going to definitely drop that person. They drop it. Oh, no, how are you doing that many flips? How are you doing that thing? But also so entertaining with how you're keeping it in time, all the dance moves, all the different steps. I was just loving it. I think we need a bit of explanation here, Will. So you talked about bass and flyers. What do they do? So in cheer, in a, in a stunt routine, there are four different positions. So the flyer, easily the most difficult, complex the skill level is unbelievable, the amount of things they have to do. They're the person that is being thrown and caught, but it's not just as simple as letting people throw you. You've got to perform twists in the air, flips, all of these sorts of things. Your core strength has to be so on point and you have to be so balanced as well. So you see in some of the routines that they do in cheer that they start, um, it's so the, the base is holding them with their arms, the base's arms above the head. They're doing a handstand they then get pushed up and have to put their feet in the exact position that their head was so the base can catch them. Like stuff like that. It's just the fact that these people can do that is unbelievable. And Joe, your face just shows how like mind-blowing it is. I don't know how some of these moves are done at all. Would I be a flyer? Would I, are you looking at me like I'm a flyer? Anybody can be flown. You could fly. Are you sure about that? I've been flown. I mean... I'm not a rugby player, but I, I am I just heavy. about to cor not correct you, but bring up the fact that although you've been thrown, I would struggle to believe that you are anywhere near 127 kilos. <laughs> not quite there. <laughs> but you could be flown at what is called base level, I believe. So you would have two bases, one on each foot and a back supporting you, and you could stand up at a base level, I believe, because if you have people strong enough and if you were able to sense your weight properly and put your weight in the right places, you could do it. I got this. I Fancy it? I've got this. I, I don't got this. I definitely don't have any centre of core or whatever it is I needed to centre my weight. I couldn't do that. I'd fall arse over tit. Well, you'd probably like to watch that, wouldn't you? Very much so. But oh. if he's not going to be a flyer, Will, could Joe be an excellent base? Joe would be the perfect base. You so base. you've got two bases, generally, in a, in a group. The first is the main base, and this is the base that stands on the flyer's strongest side. So most flyers are right-footed, so they'll put their right foot into a stump first. They take the weights. So they are the load-bearing base. Their main job is to be the grunt, the throwing, the catching, taking most of the weight. You have then have a second base, which is more of a technical role. So they will take the second foot, and they are more involved in directing where the feet... They're, hel they're helping the flyer to direct where the feet should go in the t twists and tumbles and things like that. And then you have finally what's called the back spot as well. The back spot is there mainly to keep count. So you're keeping count throughout the routine there, the voices that you'll hear on the mat. They're also there for stability as well to stop the fly from falling forwards or backwards to help get elevation in the stunts. So I'm hearing all this stuff from Will and I'm seeing injuries. I'm not saying that's a result of your levels of expertise, Will. It just sounds dangerous. Yeah, cheer is a very dangerous sport. I think there's been some, most of the studies on injuries have been done in America, but I think it's between 1982 and 2007, 65.1% of injuries that happened to high school females were from cheerleading. It's Whoa. the, in terms of the, the number of catastrophic, I'm not quite sure what a catastrophic injury is, if that's like a broken leg or if that's death, or I'm not quite sure. But in terms of the number of catastrophic injuries, injuries in high schools in America it's the the number one sports it's the number one cause on average one person died a year in the US doing cheerleading Fucking from out. 1991 to 2015 the concussion rates are very similar if not higher to American football as well wow. it's a dangerous sport and you do well as a cheerleader to avoid getting 
injured in some form or another throughout a season. Have you ever dropped someone and led that led to an injury, or have you just ever dropped someone? Period. Sometimes the flyer hits the floor. Sometimes with the way the stunt's going, the, they can't help but fall forwards. And sometimes, yeah, a flyer will will hit the floor. I don't personally ever remember a flyer injuring themselves a result as a result of me dropping them. But is that because um, of the lengthy concussions that you've had yourself that you've actually chosen to forget any any dangerous instance that you've caused someone else? There are a few days that I genuinely can't remember because of the concussions I've had because Seriously? of cheer. Yeah, yeah. There was a period, so I had three three concussions due to cheer and my second one there was a period of about 12 weeks where I was exhibiting symptoms for and there are chunks of time in that that I don't recall what happened like I was with it on those days um, but I can't remember what happened like going back um, this has really dispelled the stereotype that we had hasn't it straight away off the bat fuck this sport is is real the fact the fact that it's a sport First of all, it's not just, oh, we're here to... In fact, actually, is it still used alongside sports teams as as part of a cheer as well, or as a cheer, cheer routine, as well as being its separate sport? Not so much in this country. In this country, especially at club level, it's mainly used just as a, a competitive thing. You You train to go to competitions and compete. In America and in other countries, they do a bit of both. We, as, uni- as a university team at, at Durham, which where I was at, we did in my first year on the university team do some like sideline stuff for the American footballers. Uh, but I point blank, I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not here to cheer for other people. I'm not here to stand at the side on a cold November afternoon. <laughs> We're in these really skimpy outfits that boys and girls wear. I'm not here to do that. I'm here to compete. I'm here to throw people. And I hate the idea of standing next to the sidelines and cheering people on and fortunately in the UK we don't do that anywhere near as much as in America This episode is sponsored by the following Double J, Joe Jennings Beam Him Up, it's Scott Shillam Spuddy the Farmer Joe Donger Harrowing B-List Harry B The Succession Logan Hunter Up the Kevin Duffy Joe Walshy Walsh, Just Archie and Frankie Hughes Goes to Hollywood to be more like all of them, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Marler Show, become an official sponsor, get bonus content and grow the show today. What about being kicked in the balls? The greatest <laughs> sporting pain of all. Is that an occupational hazard? Oh yeah, it's a frequent hazard, especially if you're doing partner stunts. So if you're standing there um, to, to often get into a prep level, so where the person is standing on your hands at sort of shoulder level and it's just the one flyer and the one base, you're standing behind them, they're jumping up and you're lifting them from the waist, throwing them in the air and catching them. But quite often when a flyer is new to doing that, they'll want to swing their feet backwards. And so in the getting up to that level, they will kick you in the balls. And the worst injury I've had... In terms of ball-related, it's not the most serious injury I've had, but it's the most bizarre injury. We were doing a stunt practice session and it involved the flyer sort of being at prep level, which is, again, sort of their feet are at our shoulder height. We throw them up in the air and her, she was aiming to do a fall down, I believe, which is one twist in the air and then land on her back and we catch her. For some unknown reason, it went horrifically wrong her feet came towards me and she two-footed me in the balls, <laughs> which at the time was incredibly painful. And this happened in about April. And then for the next two months, I kept getting twinges oh, no. in, in the air, balls, in, the, in one ball in particular. Oh. But it wasn't, I didn't really think anything of it. I was then on a family holiday in Cornwall <laughs> and I went bodyboarding with my family and being my height, when you're out in the sea, a lot of the waves are crashing into me at sort of waist level and slightly below. Testicular we'd, level. We'd had this, we'd had this bodyboarding session, came back, I was showering and I got out of the shower and I was like, something doesn't feel right, it's really painful. And then over the next five minutes, it got more and more painful, but I was like, this is really embarrassing because I'm with my parents and my sister. So I went downstairs, my dad had cooked a barbecue for lunch. I ate the barbecue in complete silence, just thinking, I want to go upstairs and just lie down and go to sleep. <laughs> my mum then comes upstairs and says, Will, what's the matter? And I was like, I'm not talking to you, I'll only talk to dad. And at this point I was like, my 
testicle if I'm in I'm in agony at the time I thought I had testicular torsion because it was that painful and genuinely I could barely move like the pain was like going from my testicle right up into my my stomach and I ended up going to urgent care and the doctor who saw me um she was a female she said you know are you particularly worried that it's a female doctor and at the time I didn't care and she was like okay put the um the mat on you to, to cover yourself and I just remember lying back on the bed like trousers down by my ankles I had this protective mat on so just my balls were hanging out and this female doctor turns around and the first thing she says was oh my that is swollen isn't it oh, <laughs> oh fuck which is which is not what you want to hear and it turned out that I had an infection called epididymitis oh. and her next question to me was basically have you had any unprotected sex recently and I was like, that's, at the time, that's physically impossible. That could not have happened. And she said, well, okay, I've tested your urine as well, and you don't have a urine retract infection. This infection is 80% of the time caused by an STD, 15% of the time caused by a UTI, and less than 5% of the time caused by trauma. And then I told her about the cheerleading, and I've been having twinges oh. in it for two months. And she was like, yeah, you probably injured it then. Oh. And then the infection has come, has set in, and then the bodyboarding has re-injured it, and you've got this lovely swollen testicle. Oh God! Treatment, a course of antibiotics for a week, and then at subsequent cheering sessions, wearing a cricket box to protect myself, just in oh. case. Because she said, "Don't let it happen again, because you could lose it next time." Did you ever oh. go back and go? to the person that two-footed you in the dick. Oh, she's oh. my best mate. Brilliant. <laughs> That's what you do, isn't it? You, you form the strongest bonds by doing... Dick kicking. The cra- I was going to go with the craziest shit, but okay. we'll go straight with dick kicking if you like, but it was technically nut cracking. Mm. Fucking occupational hazard. That's well, really put me off it's, doing it, it. It's certainly the most bizarre injury I've ever experienced, but I've experienced some... I've seen and personally had some horrendous injuries from it as well. My most serious injury, which my parents, I'm sure, will hate me telling this, but I almost broke my neck Mm. doing cheer, but it was entirely my own stupidity. So we decided as the end move of our routine that the six foot five bloke was going to jump and sit on my shoulders. What? I'm five foot seven. Why we thought that was a good idea, I'll never know. Well, you know, if you pull it off, it's quite impressive. We did it a good number of times, but on a wooden floor on like judo mats, which just don't give the spring. We went to this competition and I vividly remember him saying to me on the warm-up mat, which is like a sprung floor, which is what we compete on a gymnastic floor. He said to me on the warm-up mat, I don't want to do the impose on warm-up because I don't want to injure you. Right. It then gets to the end of the routine and he jumps on my shoulders and the momentum was so much greater because he'd been jumping off a sprung floor as soon as he landed on my neck I just got this searing pain from the top of my neck all the way down to my shoulder blades just like straight down the centre and there's just this almighty cracking as well and I just remember hitting the floor screaming and shouting I wrestled him off me because he actually stuck the, the landing actually stuck so I had to wrestle him off me in the process I broke his foot as well by doing oh, that oh for fuck's and sake. I was lying on the floor and they got me motionless. The, there were some John's Ambulance people there, but they weren't spinally trained. So they couldn't move me. So they just had to hold me in position until the ambulance arrived. At that exact same moment, there was a massive pile up in the centre of Newcastle, which is where we com- were competing. So I was just lying there on this mat, unable to move for approximately three hours before the, the ambulance three turned hours. up. And then eventually the paramedics arrived and they put up a big sheet around me. So, and they went off to complete the rest of the competition in like the, the warm-up map because it was still, they were still allowed to compete. But I didn't realise because I was sort of in and out of it. I wasn't really aware of what was going on. That everybody had come back in. So the paramedics come, they have to chop off my uh, uniform, which has cost £120. And I've worn it for about 35 minutes before, it's, before I got injured. Brilliant. And... Then all of a sudden they take the sheet down and I've just got these three and a half thousand people cheering me as I'm being wheeled like in a neck brace, motion, um, motionless oh, and no. topless through this hall. And the paramedic stopped and said, if you don't give them a wave, I'm not taking you out of here. You've got to milk this opportunity. We then get to hospital and I get to CT and x-ray and I have like these four very young, attractive radiographers. And I'm like, oh, right, topless, the cheerleader. Um, perhaps, you know, 
they like the look of me or something. But what I'd forgotten was, as part of my routine and my preparation, I'd put purple glittery war paint lines on my face. <laughs> as part of like my look for the day. So I was thinking, oh, perhaps I'm in here while I'm having my neck um, x-rayed and CT to check it's not broken. It turned out they just wanted to see the male cheerleader with glittery lines on his face. <laughs> out of the two, I would probably take the neck over the ball, if I'm honest. At the time, I definitely would have taken the balls <laughs> because thinking you've broken your neck is is horrendous. It's horrifying. And I got a proper bollocking from my parents, parents. on Skype the next day because we didn't tell them any. they didn't come to watch because it was in Newcastle when they lived down south did they at the, after that be like well you're not cheering anymore this isn't, yeah. this isn't for you mate this yeah so that was in my final year at uni so I said I'd get to the end of the year and then I'd give up I then joined another club and then I retired in 2019 but in preparation for this show doing all my research going back over all my old videos I was like I really miss it. And then I've come across a squad in London, which is adults only, looks quite cool and looks professionally run. So I've signed up for tryouts, which I still need to break the news to my parents. Whoa. Don't think I want to be there when you tell them, I'm afraid. No. Your parents are definitely not letting that happen. <laughs> and you go, I'm a fucking grown man. I will do what I want. I can relate somewhat to like chucking people up in the air. Um, I can relate to getting kicked in the balls quite a lot if they're not used to going up in the air so they kick their feet back because they're like panicking about going higher than how they're actually standing. And there has been the occasional time where I've lost a couple of thumbs here or there. Awkward moments in cheer. is, is that, That's got to be a thing, mate, because you're chucking loads of people in loads of different positions and it's not always going to land perfectly. Yes, you have to get used to the awkward moments. You have to forget about sort of intimate boundaries and stuff like you're going to grab people in awkward places. So again, my best friend who was the one that kicked me in the balls um, a few months before that had happened, we were doing a stunt in which she landed on her front. And as she landed on her front, somebody you'd normally try to put your arm sort of just underneath the chest and, and catch them. For whatever reason, I got it very wrong and I position my hand perfectly to be cupping her breast <laughs> and I panicked in that moment because I was like this is so awkward she's my best mate and I'm literally cupping her breast right now I've got to grab somewhere else so I moved my hand and instinctively moved it to her neck right <laughs> and started so started, you went, you went and from groping her to <laughs> strangling, strangling her, her. And then we she, we came off the mat afterwards and, and she was like, Will, what were you doing? Why were you trying to strangle me? I was like, well, I was on your breast. And she was like, I didn't notice. Oh, <laughs> nice. But so much of this, from the way you've described it, the danger, the injuries and the difficulty of it, Will, so much of this has got to come down to trust, surely. So how do you build that trust with someone? The fact is that you very, very quickly, you're in your stunt, like when you first join, you're thrown into stunts in the first session. So you're essentially putting your lives in each other's hands and that forms a bond in a way I've never experienced anywhere else before. You have to trust these people because if you don't trust them, you won't fly with them. It won't be successful. And that is when it's really dangerous is when you don't trust people because you won't throw yourself into the stunt. You won't fully commit. And it's the same in anything. Often if you go half assed into things, that's when you're more likely to get injured. How would you be in that situation, Joe? Trusting. Hmm. <sighs> I'd be more worried about the person that is trusting me because I wouldn't trust myself to actually hold that or catch that person or I would struggle harder about trying to make them feel at ease. I guess you've got to spend two or three hours every couple of weeks together and you're like building up that trust and that rapport for that to work. I, I don't really like spending too much time worrying about trying to catch people who have dropped <laughs> fucking 20 foot from the sky. I, could, I, don't, I don't think I could do it, mate. Would you let me throw you up in the air and then drop you? Um, I'd let you throw me up in the air. I wouldn't want you to drop me. No, no, like drop you and then catch me. Yeah, I probably would because I think you are... Already you're doing that sort of thing. You're physically strong enough. So I probably would, actually. Mental. Is that a mistake? You're absolutely bonkers. Don't do that because I'm dropping you every time. <laughs> Mainly because I'll set up the camera and it'll be fine. Um, British cheerleading compared to American cheerleading... I'm gonna. Are you gonna be biased and say, yeah, British cheerleading is much better? Or no, no, no. Amer 
the origins are very mixed. Some the Americans will argue they started cheering in terms of the actual standing on the sidelines and cheering. The British will argue that that we started it. But in terms of the stunt cheerleading, the competitive cheerleading, that was an American who um, started it called Lawrence Herkimer. And I think Herkimer is how you pronounce it because the jump that's named after him is called a Herky. Herky. So he. Was, how does that jump look? Um, I'm, I've never really done one, so I couldn't tell oh, you, to be honest. But, it's a little bit too advanced for me, that job. Right, okay. so probably, disclaimer that I should have thrown in earlier, like what the, the guys you see on the cheer yeah. program, I could probably hit most of the stunts they pull. I could not do the jumps or the tumbling. So they're like they're, creme de la creme. They're, they're another level. They, they are the best in the world. In that, on and that is program. it that that uh, college Nav- Navarro and Navarro, Valley, the it. two colleges on that program, they are the elite of the elite in the... In the world, yeah, they they're are. like the mecca of yeah. They're level cheer. seven, and and then some. They're they're unbelievable. It says you've won two British championships, but when applying for this show, you said it's easier than it sounds. Is that you just playing it down? And no, unfortunately not. So they're just a, one team, is there? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's why you won it. No. So I have won two British championships. On at least one occasion, if not both, we were the only team in that category because there are so, so many different categories available. So just, for example, at the the USAF and ISAF Worlds, which is like the biggest club tournament, there are 29 different world titles you can win. So at any any cheer event, there are 30, 40 plus titles. What, what, what categories, what, what, how do you define the categories? Is it like boxing where you've got super flyweight, flyweight, Featherweight, super featherweight, fucker, heavyweight, other weights, middleweight, hay weight. What was it? Hay weight, bantamweight, bantamweight, cruiser. What what defines the different subjects? So in cheerleading, there are seven different levels of cheer. So they level, as the name suggests, levels one through to seven, and that determines what level you're competing at. Determines what stunts you can pull off, how many twists you can do how high you can lift someone, braced and unbraced. Or, and so that's with some support or not some support, that sort of thing. And at the World Championships, the, the big club ones, which is not part of the cheer series, but those people on that documentary would have competed at the, the Worlds. You compete at levels five, six and seven. So there they are, the elite categories. And then you've got... Um, so you've got level five, you've probably got four or five level fives because then it depends on the size of your group as well. So you've got like extra small group, which is just eight people in your team. Then you've got a small, which is 12. And then you've got medium, 16, large, 20 and extra large, 24. So that's the numbers on your team. You've then got, yeah, different ages as well. There are youth and there are adults. There's so many different categories and that's part of the reason why it's yet to become an Olympic sport it's got IOC funding and IOC status but because it's so all over the show there are so many different categories how do you choose which ones go to the Olympics that's crazy that you've got 29 different categories of how it is the way you've described it all it can't be long before the Olympics actually go this is a serious sport this is something that we need to throw into the Olympics because it's just incredible yeah one day, I I imagine we'll probably see cheer at the Olympics in some form or another. I don't think with 29 gold medals on offer. I think they <laughs> might limit it slightly. But yeah, that's that seems to be the way it's going. And as someone who loves competing and, and loves watching people compete and loves the sport, it would be amazing to, to see it on that stage. But only when it's ready. I don't want it entering now when it could look a bit of a mess. Right, Joe, I'm going to leap onto your shoulders. We'll have some ads and we'll come back in a moment. Those are the ads. I want to know what I would get marked down for. How do, how do you actually get marked in this cheer? So uh, a cheer score sheet will compose sort of three main elements. Um, so your first is your what they're called building skills. So these are your stunts. So again, there are three different types of stunts. So you've got your partner stunt or your group stunt. So that's when you're in your groups, as I mentioned earlier, of two to four people and you're throwing various stunts at two legs. So flyer is standing on two legs or they're on one leg and you put together a sequence and a routine in, in that section you've then got basket tosses um 
which is when you're literally creating a basket between the base's hands. So my right hand would go on my left wrist. My left wrist would then grab the opposite wrist and they've got the same. So we're essentially like forming sort of a weaved basket. We're then throwing the flyer as high as possible and they're performing certain stunts. And then the final thing that you're getting marked on in the building section is the pyramids, which is the most complex part of the routine. It's the bit of the stunting that you want to look the best. So that's just your building skills. That's your tumbling. You've then got, uh, sorry, that's your stunting. You then got your tumbling, which you're marked on. So these are tumbles that you've done from standing, backflips and all those sorts of things. You've then got running tumbles. Again, the sort of backflips, but you're running across the mat and doing a, a longer sequence, which they're just incredible what they do. And then you've got your jumps as well. And then finally is your routine. So you're marked on your overall choreography, the way it's composed, the way it looks on the mat. So let's say Joe and I are competing, Will. What sort of outfits are we wearing? It depends. Uh, the tradition used to be sort of quite loose-fitting for men, quite loose-fitting, fairly baggy, like short-sleeved, as you probably sort of associate more with old-style American cheerleading for the men. Nowadays, they're all lycra suits, very slim, um, slim-fitting, very tight, don't really hide much, including in your genitalia areas as well. For the girls, it really is a mixture. So some of them wear crop tops, um, so quite short skirts and skorts with a crop top, so there you can hold their midriff um, and some compete in tops that come all the way down and some compete in all body suits as well. From a bases perspective, we prefer to have our hands straight onto skin and this sounds quite dodgy when you <laughs> phrase it like that, but we prefer it because there's more friction on skin than there is in holding the clothing and, you know, skin isn't going to ride up unless you've got a bit of a problem whereas clothing does and then also with the flyers legs we will tell them in the two weeks leading up to a performance to not shave their legs for two weeks because wow which is a very weird conversation to have but <laughs> you stubbly legs again are easier to grip so from my perspective that's great we tell the flyers hairier the better the hairier the mm, not like really long because oh. then that's quite soft again so like oh, stubbly legs okay, are the, yeah. the stubbly legs are the best we tell them not to moisturise or fake tan two weeks leading up to a performance because, again, we want the legs to be as grippy for us as possible. And then you can be marked down as a cheer squad if you're not all, like, if your hair isn't all the same, if your makeup isn't all the same. You get marked so that's down. Part, that is part of the marking as part, well? You, it's how you look, how you how look, you look how, you're, how you're dressed. You've got to be, all the team has got to look the same. I mean, for men, it's slightly different. Like, I've never being told to shave off my beard for a cheer routine but I've competed with people who don't have beards but in terms of like the, the girls especially their hair the nails as well they can't have fake nails that come across the end of their finger they're not allowed to have painted nails they've all got to you have clear nails and we always tell the flyers not to have long nails as well to stop them from scratching us but I think do I agree that you lose marks for how for not necessarily looking all the same I, I don't think that's right personally but that's the way cheer is at the moment as well. And another thing you can also lose marks for in cheer is if you have inappropriate clothing uh, or dancing. What? So if you're dancing... What qualifies as inappropriate clothing? This, if, is, this is me. If, like a gimp suit or something. <laughs> you know I mean? That would be highly inappropriate. If your skirt's <laughs> too short, if you're showing too much oh. um, in that area. And you can also lose marks for provocative dancing as um, well especially because there's a lot of children that compete if you're having dance moves that are deemed to be too raunchy you will lose marks as well that's my fear for you joe that that's that's the trap you'd fall into pure raunch my too uh, sexy. my slut drop wouldn't be allowed i think you'd be a one hit off you could do it and then that would see you banned for life what but... about what about a death drop which is it's where you um you're standing up and you, you bend one leg back and you just fall back. Never heard of a death drop. As in like the splits? No, no, like you just you just fall back. Oh. Sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think it's going to be. <laughs> Crack it on. I want to talk music, Joe. I want to know what sort of tunes will work really well for routines and which don't. And the way we're going to do this, Joe, is you're going to give us a song from your mental bank. Yeah. And Will, can you give us a yes or a no, whether it will work for a cheer routine, please? Joe, go. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. 
Dum, 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 dum. What am I singing? I have the tiger. I have the tiger. It's thumbs up, a, thumbs down. It would work if you either sped it up or did a remix bum, of it. Bum, 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 bum. That sounds like a completely different song. Okay. Um, he ain't heavy. He's my brother. No. Oh. Um, <laughs> Sorry, but... I set fire to the rain. Watch it burn as it touch your face. Adele? I, kn- I know you love Adele, oh. but I, oh. I don't think a single Adele song would work unless it was severely remixed. Okay. Uh, now you're gone. I realize my love for you was strong. I miss you here. Now you're gone. Bass Hunter. Mm-hmm. That could work. That would work. Oh, oh I like that. So it has to be upbeat music. Yep. So as cheerleaders, we do everything in counts of eight. So you'll hear on a map, we'll start on five at the start of routine, five, six, seven, eight, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And we'll just repeat that over and over again. So every t- tune, every every track we pick has to be in two, four, or eight time. So the go-to example I always use is Let Me Entertain You by Robbie Williams. That was my sort of signature track that I would include in any Let cheer. me entertain you. Bum, bum, bum. Okay. I don't know about you, Joe, but I'm loving Will's love of cheer and his... His passion. His passion for it. Every, every word you've spoken about cheer, like your face has been lit up. You've come prepared with all the different notes of any questions that we did have. You're just so passionate about this sport. But you touched on when you first got into it, you thought, oh, I'll give it a go, try it out. And so, But what did you actually then get out of it? What then made you go, oh, I fucking love this? Was it the physical nature, that the actual competition of it? Or tell us why you, you, you got a lot out of it. Are we prepared to get quite deep and meaningful? Is that is that all right? We get whatever we want on here, mate. We get fruity, we get deep, we get light, we get dark, we get. I was going to say laid. Never so we far. Don't but actually. You know. do that. <laughs> <laughs> Could be a first, but anyway, yeah, we do what you want, mate. So I've come from a, a team sport background. I played football, rugby, cricket a lot as a kid, and I never really felt. And at school as well, I never really felt like I fitted in. I didn't enjoy school and academically I did fine. It wasn't anything you know to write home about, but I did, I did okay. Um, but I never felt like I fitted in. And I don't know if you, know, you guys have experienced or anyone listening, but sometimes kid, there are kids in the year that are sort of like the whipping kids of the year, that the one everybody seems to know their business, the one that everybody can take the mick out of. For whatever reason, that I ended up being one of those those kids in my year and... It allowed, well, it didn't allow me to, but I, I withdrew into myself quite a bit. And I, I, I am now by nature very closed off and reserved, which I've desperately tried not to be talking to you guys because I, I also, that cheer brings that passion out in me. And I went to cheer and by being in that group where people trusted me, people actually liked me for, you know, the fact that I could do cheer and they felt safe in, in that environment with me was was an amazing feeling and being part of a group that, that really trusted me was great. And I had a chat a couple of days ago with one of my closest friends who I did cheer with and she turned around and said, yeah, well, when I first met you, I thought you were a bit of a dick. Yeah. And she said, that hasn't changed. No, she said, um, <laughs> but she said, no, it wasn't that. It was, you were very reserved and I just thought you didn't like anyone and you weren't opening up. And she said, over that first term at university, she saw how much... I changed how much warmer I got towards people, how much more willing I was to to open up to them. And it was just like being part of a family. I've Most of my closest friends that I've got, I have cheered with in some form or another because I've kept those people close to me because I felt good that they trusted me and I was able to trust them. You know, any Mickey taking I knew was not genuine and knew was just was, was joking and banter. And, and also then to get slightly deeper but cheer also this is a strange sentence but cheer also allowed me to realize that I had mental illnesses as well um in my second year at university within two weeks of each other I had two different conversations with two friends both of whom had come to me about relationship issues they were having which was highly ironic because I'd never been in a relationship at this point didn't know what I was talking about but they saw me as a shoulder to cry on which was amazing and I just wanted to help them in any way I could and both of these conversations ended up becoming about me and them talking to me and I vividly remember one of them who's still a good friend of mine now saying well it's it's so 
difficult to be around you because you're so on edge. I'd never feel like you're relaxed. You're always anxious. You're always looking over your shoulder. You're always worrying. And I, at this point, thought I got a lot better at opening up, letting people in, being a bit more chilled. And it turned out that I just got a little bit less worse at it. And then the other the other friend, I just was talking to her and explaining some of the things that were going on in my head at the time. And she just turned around and said, well, you know, this isn't normal, right? You know, not no one else has these feelings, these thoughts, these emotions. So I had those two conversations within a fortnight of each other. And then that allowed me to have the confidence, I guess, to go and, and seek help. And I have, after a 10 minute consultation, I was diagnosed with severe generalized anxiety disorder and depression, which I understood the anxiety. That's something I've been with retrospect suffering with since I was seven years old. I've been having a lot of panic attacks. I've had hundreds of panic attacks to the point at which I can, I learned how to hide them from people because I found them so embarrassing. And I was taken by my mum to, to see a GP at the age of nine because my mum thought I was developing an eating disorder because after every hot meal I ate, I would have a panic attack. But it turns out that I didn't like the feeling of, the, of being full or the feeling of having wind and that made me panic, like what's going on in, inside my own body. And then that led on to severe anxiety in, in other, a lot of other areas in my life, socialising. I don't drink because I don't like the feeling of what alcohol does to me. And then I, but I understood that. What I didn't understand was the depression. And this is still the wrangle I have in my head every single day in that I've grown up with an amazing family, two of the best parents you, you could ever have, an amazing sister. I've had a good education. I've had good opportunities. I did have a lot of bullying at school, but with what most people suffer, it's nothing. It doesn't matter. So, you know, in my own head, I still have those conversations every day of like, what have I done to almost earn the title of being depressed? But to actually have someone turn around to me and, and say that, I was then able to reflect on my life and look back and think, yeah, I first started suffering from depression at the age of 11 when I went to secondary school and, and these sorts of things. And that was when I was 20, when I was diagnosed. I'm 27 now. I'm still working my way through it. I had a very, very bad period between September 2020 and September 2021, various reasons, covid induced and, and some other things but because i knew i was unwell i knew what to do i knew how to seek help i knew what to do it and i knew how to live my life and get through it and, and come through it a different person but if it wasn't for cheerleading if it wasn't for those two conversations i had it could have been so much harder so much different and i will forever owe those two people and the sport just everything because they've allowed me to realize how much of a difficult adolescence I had because of my own mental health would be able to reflect on that and now think about how I can make things better going forwards and yeah as I said I'm indebted to the sport and and that's why I love it so much because I enjoy the competitive nature of it I love throwing and catching people the adrenaline buzz is incredible but also it's allowed me to be God, I'm trying to say something sounding really, really wanky. But it's allowed me to be... <laughs> the wankier, the better is actually <laughs> our motto. Mm. It's allowed me to actually be who I am. I'm very, very different in the cheer environment than I am in any other environment apart from with my family. I'm quite cheeky. I'll take the piss. You know, I'm, I'm very happy to be sassy and do all the dropping the, the hip, the sassy moves, the blowing the kisses to the judges, all of those sorts of things. But I'll only ever do that in a cheer setting. Outside of that, I won't do it. But cheer gives me that place where I can feel like I can, I can be me. And that's why when, you know, coming, preparing for the show, I was like, I haven't been able to do that for three years. I've been really, really unwell for that one year period that I mentioned. And I just want to go and have fun again for a year, two years. And I, I miss the sport so much I mean I might not even get on but just the fact that I've signed up to tryouts is just getting me buzzing of trying to get some sort of flexibility back in the last few days because I've lost it all and I'm just excited which is a nice feeling to have and it's I, a very long-winded answer I think you're absolutely fucking brilliant the passion at which you've spoken about cheer the way you've held yourself the entire time that you've been here the research that you've put into it the effort that you've put into it to come in here and talk to us and then to share your story, the deeper, the darkest parts of your story, I'm grateful f for that. I'm grateful to you for doing that and I've loved sitting here listening to how much you love it and you have to get back into it, mate. You have to get back into it because the way your face lights up 
at the prospect of doing it again. And the way you've talk, spoken about how much it empowered you to, to be who you wanted to be, to be the person that you'd always sort of suppressed or hid away because you didn't want to be judged outside of it all, but cheer enabled you to come out of that shell. You've got to get back involved, mate. You've got to do that. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And I'm really, and I know Tom is as well, that grateful to come on here and share your story like that because it would definitely help others out there that are feeling the same. No, thank you for, for giving me the opportunity and I'll make sure to tell my parents and anyone who doubts that I want to get back into cheer that Joe Marl has given me permission. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, fuck. That backfired really, really quickly. I, uh, there was a disclaimer somewhere about parents not being able to contact me if it goes tits up. It's not my fault, please. Well, it's been fucking brilliant. Thank you, mate. No, thank you. Loved it. Loved the show. Keep doing what you're doing. It's brilliant. Thank you very much. Top man. Thanks, Will. Cheers, Will. Three, five, seven, nine. Will was so sublime. Not bad. Hang on. Three, five, seven, nine. Will was sublime. Fuck, <laughs> it doesn't work. You need another syllable before sublime. You could have so sublime, that would work. <laughs> Go. Three, five, seven, nine. Will was so sublime. No, you speeded it up. Oh, could have gone. Will was so sublime. Oh. Yeah. Three, five, seven, nine. Will was so sublime. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Three, five, seven, nine. Will was so sublime. No, no, you speed up again. I'll Three, the bit. five, seven, nine. Will was so sublime. <laughs> <laughs> Will was so sublime. Ah. Three, five, seven, nine. Will was so sublime. Yeah. yeah! <laughs> we've now run out of time to actually do a proper fucking ending I'm so sorry that was great Will was brilliant he was a very nice man wasn't I he? love talking all about cheerleading and his experiences in that and what it is all about but I also really enjoyed him sharing his own personal story with us and yeah I really enjoyed having Will on well, if you enjoyed that as much as Joe and I, and you would like to support the show, let me remind you, you can subscribe three ways, Apple, Spotify, and Patreon. For just £1 a week, you can get, you know by now, bonus content, ad-free episodes, and Joe, they will be... Grow in the show. Grow in the show. Did that one? No? It was all right. Oh. Um, and if you want to watch the show, you can go and subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel. Search for Joe... The Joe Marla Show YouTube The Joe Marla Show on YouTube channel. Huh? I can't stop talking like this, and I'm going to carry on doing all the episodes like this. Yeah, go to YouTube now. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? <laughs> if you would like another podcast to listen to in the meantime, let me recommend a brand new one, Joe. The George Groves Boxing Club. Ding ding. Seconds out. Round one. George is a charmer of a man. You are going to learn everything you always wanted to know about boxing. It's informative, it's funny. Joe, do you know what it is? Informative and funny. It's a knockout. Oh, fuck me. Who's on next week? At this point, Joe, that we are speaking, it could be any number of guests, depending who Steve and Ryan line up. So I don't know. Who's it, Ryan? Ryan is the new Steve's. Oh. Fuck. Yeah. Have we replaced Steve? Ideally, yes. Or are they going to work on a tandem? <laughs> They're going to work on a tandem in so, the studio. Well, because it's quite a lot of electricity. Yeah. And it's probably the best way to... They're going to be in the corner pedalling. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Pedalling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can't wait then. Crowd Network. A place where you belong. Podcast Network.